Hi, friends, and welcome to the second episode of the Meditative Minds podcast. I'm your host, John Paul, and I'm excited to have you aboard the Truth Train. Our guest for today's show is Sam Shelley, a.k.a. Sam the Miracle Man. Sam has been through quite the ordeal health-wise, but has miraculously come out the other side and brings with him a message of transformational peace and the realization of our true nature, perfect spirit. I hope you enjoy our chat, and thanks for listening. All aboard! All right, hello friends, and um, thank you for joining us on the Meditative Minds podcast. This is actually podcast number two. Um, and it's been a long time in the making. I'm very excited for our guest today. Um, our guest today is uh, the author of Break the Negative or Break the Habit of Negative Thought Addiction and I Don't Dwell. He's also the founder, creator, and creator of Head Trash Anonymous and uh, The Circle, which is a virtual event. He's a TikTok star, he's a YouTube sensation, and just generally a great guy please give a huge welcome to Sam Shelley, a.k.a. The Miracle Man. Hi, hey, Sam. Great to see you today. Thank you. You too. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Sure. Do I seem nervous to you? Nah. <laughs> well, I, I feel nervous. <laughs> um, it, so, it's head trash. It's creating stories. Need to let that go. I, totally. Well, like, yeah, we'll get into that. I love that. Um, so I was thinking, I was I was thinking about sort of the f- format or how I wanted to do this podcast, and I thought of uh, uh, Have you seen the Christmas Carol? The, uh, yeah, I've seen it, but it's been it's been some time. I don't quite right, know. right. So, sorry, I'm talking on top of you there. Um, I was thinking that we could do. I was thinking of the ghost of the past, the ghost of the present, and the ghost of Christmas future. So I want to. Um, sort of go in that direction where I'm going to want to go over your past um, stuff, your past history, talk about what's going on right now, and then what you're planning for the future. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Okay. So tell me, um, I definitely did some research on you and was digging around, but I didn't want to do too much. Um, So just tell me a bit about your history, like where you were born, um, your family, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I was born in Philadelphia and I just grew up grew up out just outside Philadelphia after a year when I was a baby my parents decided to move into the suburbs of Philadelphia so that's where I grew up in the suburbs just outside Philadelphia and you know it was pretty much like a normal childhood for the first years until the age six when I was run over by a van and that sort of changed everything in my life at that point um yeah so that so I had a van accident when I was very young so it really altered everything uh, but before that was pretty much a normal childhood. After that was anything but normal because the accident was quite quite traumatic. Okay, so that's awesome that you um, bring that up because I, I definitely want to talk about your van accident and what's happened since. But I was just curious, like, were you, it sounds like you were generally having a good time before this sort of life-altering accident. Like you, you were just regular kid having fun, pretty happy. Yeah, it was just a regular kid, you know, just like a normal five-year-old, you know, four-year-old, whatever, just, just, you don't know anything better, but, but to be a kid at that age. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's, and, and I was curious if you had any sort of 
mystical experiences or feelings as a kid? Like, do you remember having anything like that sort of floating around or that was totally like not at all? Well, the only experience I had was at age six after being hit by a van. And I didn't understand at that time what happened to me, you know, being run by a van, the broken left elbow, broken left hip, the head trauma, all that stuff. So most of the memories were are pretty fuzzy during that time, but there was something very distinct I remember. I think it was probably that night after my first surgery, um, just waking up and seeing bright white lights all around me then three beings on each side of me, removing my twos, removing my life support. And I didn't understand what was going on at that time. All I remember, the, only, the one vivid memory I do have is my mom asking me, you know, in the mornings, like, why'd you remove your twos? Why'd you remove your life support last night? But she didn't step back and say, hey, how could this young boy have done this. His left arm is completely damaged. You can't use that right now. If his, the tubes on his right arm, there's no way for him to reach them with his right hand. So she didn't step back and say, well, wait a second, how could he have done this? How could he remove like a tube out of his throat and things like this when he's basically unconscious and not knowing what's going on? Because in her world, there was nothing else outside of her. And then when she said that, I didn't understand it, but mom had to be right. It had to be me. I had to have done this somehow, some way. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So, so you sort of believed what you were getting told about the experience. Right. Yeah. Cause you're, you're six years old. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, you, can't, you don't really challenge your parents at that time. <laughs> and plus, and plus you're dealing with a significant head trauma. Yeah. I, actually, I don't even think I spoke to my mom when she asked me that. So I had no questions. I don't remember. You know, my cognitive functions, I'm sure, weren't great at that time after such a traumatic accident. Yeah. And the, 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 the put a timestamp on it, like my accident happened at the end of first grade. I returned back to school at the beginning of fourth grade. Wow. Wow. That's that's a long time, especially right. especially in kid world, <laughs> in kid years. Yeah. You know, so. that that's a long time. And my, my, my memories during that whole time were ex extremely fuzzy. I only have a couple of memories. And that was one of them that the beings and that question my mom asked, asked me. But a lot of things that happened during that time, I really don't remember. My mom would say things, you know, like when my memories come back, like, don't you remember your friends coming over every day during the summer, during the recovery? I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't, do you remember, maybe you mentioned this, did you, did you mention to your mom that you felt like there was some uh, beings or entities around you take, like, did you mention to her your experience or did you just have it? And then you were told that something else happened. So you just sort of let it go. Well, no, I, like I said, I had this experience and my, when my mom asked me about it, I had no answer for her because okay. I didn't understand what was, what was going on. You know, so you, I was, yeah. I was cognitively not there. Some serious head trauma from the accident. Okay, so you're not even able, yeah, so my bad. So you're not even able to verbalize at all. Like you have no context for what's happening. You you're, you don't have the words to explain to your mom what's going on. Right. Right. So is this it's just mom had to be right. It had to be me some way, somehow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, you have this really life altering accident happen. Um, and as you go on in life, um, you, uh, you say you return to school 
And is are is uh, are things okay for a short time, or is your health health just always a concern and it's just always a bummer? Yeah. Well, the, the thing is that I remember was like going back to school was extremely awkward. It was mostly by myself during that whole recovery, and so I didn't have any of the social interaction skills. They were just completely void. So I felt really. So school was really a stressful time for me. Just these social interactions and things were just really stressful on me. So after, so that's another thing that happened too. You know, I did fourth grade in my home district, and after that, my parents decided to move. So now I was just trying to get back into school. Now suddenly, put me into a completely new neighborhood where I don't know anyone, no kids, no nothing, into a new school system. So I was so stressed out in school. I was extremely stressed out and made myself very sick and missed a lot of time because I was always sick because it was all that stress of and that social awkwardness I my I my heart goes out to you that sounds I don't know it sounds awful man like and I, I don't know that were you were you and were your parents moving because they wanted to improve your situation or there was just time it was another opportunity I think it was just Another opportunity, I think my parents just wanted a different neighborhood. And yeah, yeah. Another decided, situation. Decided it was move, you know, bigger house, bigger, you know, yard and you know, just just bigger house and and stuff. So I, I guess my father decided it was it was time. Yeah, like um good timing for them, maybe horrible timing for you. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're a very socially awkward kid and you throw them a new school system, new neighborhood. Yeah, it's really a shell shock. Totally. I mean, it makes me, makes me think of like military families, like when a kid gets used to one school and a group of friends, they have to move on to the next set and just how traumatic that must be. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're, you're feeling still not feeling great to say the least your parents are moving. That's shit. <laughs> uh, excuse my French. And, um, and then as time goes on, you become, feeling there's countless trips to the hospital because you're sick, you're feeling suicidal, you've diagnosed as bipolar, your multiple sclerosis starts to come in, you're disabled, you got to walk with a cane, you got psoriasis, you have psoriatic arthritis, is that, am I saying that right? Psoriatic arthritis. Psoriatic, sorry. <laughs> uh, and migraines, just tons of misery and tons of medication, right? Yeah, that was it. So yeah, so if we go back, you know, like, you know, the school itself was just very traumatic, even through high school. It was just, it was just really, I didn't have the social skills because, you know, when you're very young is when you build all those social skills. Of course. So it was really an awkward time. So I was going through, through, you know, high school. I don't know exactly when the bipolar started, but I know it was an undiagnosed bipolar through school. So that was really rough because, you know, all these mood fluctuations going through school. And there was really no help coming for me even though I had this traumatic accident, they never sent me to like a child psychologist because that really wasn't a thing at that time. Not at all. So then, yeah. then, then I was having difficulty in high schools and being the, I'm diagnosed bipolar. I, I remember this distinctly that I was acting up one day at, in class, arguing with the whole class over something trivial. So I went from like, I go, we'll go from like extremely introverted to like arguing with the whole class. That was like sort of like my mode. But one day I was acting up, so the teacher sent me to the principal's office. And the principal asked me, are you, on, are you smoking marijuana? I said, no. And he sent me back to class. That was it. That's it. 
Yeah, things are things are a lot different. Uh, <laughs> things are very different now uh, in terms of how we look at that stuff. Um, like I, I just real quick, I had a friend who had a real traumatic experience um, when we were in grade six, and he um, he he dealt with the loss of a parent. And I talked to him talked to him about it now, and he's just like, I was totally fucked up, but no one even thought about sending me to a therapist. No one even right. thought about sending me to counseling. It just wasn't even really in the vocabulary yet, right? Like the therapist was someone if you're crazy, right? You know, so. Yeah, and it's just really just how things have changed completely. Because I, I still, like one of the memories I have when I was younger was going to court, you know, to get my hospital bills paid for and stuff like that, the pain and suffering and all of that with the accident when the van ran over mm -hmm. me. And I remembered my pain and suffering compensation was $1,500. That was it. No like lifetime of medical care or anything like that. 1500 like, bucks. Wow. That was it. So, um, so all clearly, well, not clearly, but it sounds like everything um, was in some shape, a form or shit, whatever. It was somehow related. All your medical stuff that was showing up continually through your life because of the accident. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because you know what the traumatic head injury do, does with your mental state, and if your mental state isn't right, your effects start to affect your physical state, especially when you're completely stressed out, overwhelmed with life. All that stress has a, a dramatic impact on the body. I don't know. I'm when I'm when I'm hearing you, because um, I've heard some of your story before, but just hearing more details. I mean, um, I don't know what to say. I'm really sorry that you went through that, Sam. But it made me who I am today, though. So you got to realize that there's no mistakes in the universe, that we don't understand all these lessons, but they are ultimately there for me to help people today. But I've been in those shoes. I would totally agree. I would totally agree. There was a great blessing that was happening as you were going through all that stuff. But I, I, anyway, just I, I think I have sensitivities around going to school as well and how um, I was able to get through it. And um, I wasn't probably as socially as awkward, but it was still super stressful. Yeah, and, and I didn't have all that other stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on, but it's all right. So okay, okay. So um, so uh, I want to skip a little bit and just so you, you're you're continuing, you're just going down further uh, down the rabbit hole of um, bad health and feeling crummy to say the least. And then um, there's a miracle. There's uh, things changed and your health is miraculously healed. Um, how does the ball get rolling for you uh, towards getting, creating or cr creating this miracle, creating this healing? Like um, from what I remember you, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were meditating and there was a voice in your head that was telling you that you were perfect spirit. Right, you know, we, but before we even get to that point, you have sure. to realize, even though I was sick, I was still managing to hold down a, a corporate job somehow, some way. I was still doing a corporate job. Wow. But um, yeah. So I was dealing with MS, the corporate job. So basically, I, you know, at the end of the day, I was completely exhausted and just be a couch potato. That was pretty much my life when I wasn't working. I was sitting in front of the, the couch. You know, that was my world. So I'd watch everything and anything on TV, and I used to watch these ghost hunting shows. But I didn't know if it was real or fake. So it's TV. So it was like, uh, so then I saw a tweet from one of the ghost hunters. Hey, oh, we're having, right. this, having this event in Philadelphia. So um, I was like, well, I can go, I can go there. So I got a hotel near the event. 
because the fatigue with the MS was absolutely horrible. So I had to pack up all my stuff, all my medicine and stuff. So I went to this event and I had an experience I could not explain. Um, you know, I actually, you know, share this story like ghost hunting saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> I had an experience there. Like I, I saw, I witnessed a flashlight going on and off by itself that I couldn't explain, like a little twist flashlight by question, turn this flashlight on, turn this flashlight off. And it was responding those, to those questions. But me being a skeptic saying, hey, that's not my flashlight. And I put my flashlight and it was doing the same thing. So like, oh, there's something here. Then, then later during the night, I felt like somebody sit next to me that I could not see. That was really odd. Yeah. And then feeling the overwhelming sense of dread after they sat down next to me, just feeling this wave of dread come over me. So it just left me very curious, like, what did I experience? So I figured, well, who deals with these spirits, these ghosts? Mediums, they talk to the dead apparently. So let me go read some books from mediums and see how they do it. Well, one of these books talked about meditation, but like about like a maybe a page, page and a half on meditation, like how they get into their space or whatever it was. But they talked about like some of the benefits of meditation. I forget what they all, all were at the time that were listed. But the one benefit that jumped out at me was inner peace. Meditation brings inner peace. I'm like, I need inner peace. Because I'm completely stressed out, completely overwhelmed with life. So they didn't really have any instructions for meditation. Just play some like wear comfortable clothes, maybe play some soothing music yeah. and just <laughs> relax basically. So okay. I figure, okay, I can I can do that. So I thought like so I, so I, that resonated with me. Meditation equals inner peace. Right. So I started that night with my five minute practice. But I thought meditation meant you stop thinking. So it's for my first two weeks, my five minute practice, I was always saying like, when the mind would go off on its tangents, I'll be like, stop thinking, stop thinking. Then, then in two weeks, I realized, wait a second, that's a thought chasing a thought. Yeah. Then I realized when I had that realization, it's like, wait a second, I have thoughts, but I'm not my thoughts. So it was my real self-realization that I'm not my thoughts. So and when what, I realized, so when oh, I, when, when I had that realization that I'm not my thoughts. So the next question was, if I'm not my thoughts, then who am I? So that was just ruminating for a, for a while. So I was continuing my simple practice. And three months later, I got my answer to who I was. So I just heard this intuitive voice after meditation say perfect spirit. I'm like, that's it. That's who I really am spirit and a perfect spirit. I'm not the, then I just simply knew that I'm not my body. I'm not my mind. I'm spirit and this all sense of fear, but my health simply went away. I knew it was all over at that point. So then the mind got very quiet at that point And just, I just followed the intuitive voice on how to recover the, the body and mind. So over 16 months, all my symptoms went away. No more medicine, no cane, no nothing at that point. And just listening to myself. Okay. So that is incredible. Um, what it's it's uh it's so incredible i don't think the media would believe it <laughs> um okay so I, I have a few questions so when you have um when you have that thought it sounds very eckhart tolle to me like the idea of like who's the one doing the thinking like who's the one thinking this thought and then you sort of get behind the curtain a little bit there and when you had that first uh as oprah would say that aha moment um 
what is it what does that feel like is your is, is it a body thing is it just in your mind you're like holy shit something just unlocked like i my perception changed like what is that like well at that point the mind did get quieter the stress started to really decrease after that it really like opened that door to realization cool. so at that point after i hear that then i then i double my practice to five minutes twice a day because i'm getting more deeper into that but I was still, you know, I still had that question, like, who am I? You know, bouncing around, I had no clear answer. But by the third month, it was like, boom, that was like light being struck by lightning. Did you, did you, um, did you ask that question, who am I? And every, every time you meditated? No, it was just the intent that where I was going oh, okay. into, into meditation, like pretty much like, I want to find out who I am, like sort of like that intent. But my whole practice was, I didn't even realize what I was doing because I never had a spiritual teacher, didn't read any books besides that one medium. I just went off my own path, my own way of just the mind thinking, come back to my feet. That was my practice, mind thinking back to feet, mind thinking back to feet. Keeping my, oh, I didn't realize I was keeping myself present. I was just learning to be present in this moment. So you, so, so you coming back to your feet was your single point of focus that you kept coming back to? Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Interesting. And the voice in your head, is it the voice of Sam Shelley or is it the voice of some, does it sound like you or someone else? Oh, it's, it sounds like me, but it's, it's the voice when it came perfect spirit, it came from a different place. It was like the mind thinking. It just felt like a place of knowing, which is like, like the deeper place of like, when I, when I heard the voice, I just had a deep knowing that all is well, all sense of fear went away. And I just knew all the health challenges were over. Okay, so this I have this question right here for you, right, right um, after you said that. Um, tell me about your feeling when things are getting started. Like you're going, okay, this is this is something that I'm connecting to, and I I know that it's helping me, and I'm going to continue this. Like, are you getting excited? Are you getting? Are you um, like like how does that like? Are you are you shocked that this is working? And tell me about like where you're at when it starts to work. No, it's, it's, I was still being a little cautious, you know, like I just had the insights to start tapering off my medicine and things like that, but I was still a little cautious. So like, I didn't just stop the medication. I would just take it back like a quarter dosage. So I took like my 13 medicines and like, all right, which one should I try to, excuse me, try to cut back a little bit and see what happens. So I cut it back a little bit. Over two weeks, nothing happened. Cut it back a little more. For two weeks, nothing happened. So by you know, so every two weeks I was cutting it back. So over a course of you know eight weeks, I got off all that one medicine. Like okay, I'm off of this medicine. I don't know anything. Notice any negative impacts. Let's do the next medicine. No negative impacts. Then I start doing like two medicines at a time. Then I start going quicker and quicker, reducing off the medicine, and I'm not noticing any you know, negative effects of anything. What I'm noticing is that I have less brain fog, less from all the medicine. I just had all this brain fog. So that's, so I still remember like when it came off to get my injectable for the MS, it was like, um, because I had all these sorts of mystical experiences as well as, as I was going through this. That, and it was really, and one of the mystical experiences I can think of was when it was time to get off my, um, MS injectable medicine, or I just give myself a daily injection for this for MS. But there's this really rare side effect that comes with this medicine that sometimes when you take the medicine, you would get rapid heartbeat and shallow breath. I never had that side effect. 
So I was taking it for, you know, about at that point, I was taking it for about, you know, eight, seven, eight years, this medicine and never had that negative side effect. So when I came to the knowing that it was time to cut back, it was time, actually, you can't stop the, you can't taper off the MS medicine. It's like, this is a daily injectable. You're either giving someone an injection or you're not. Mm -hmm. So when it's time to stop the needle, it was like, do I really want to do this? It was so hard to get onto this medication. Do I really want to stop it? So, so I, I was dealing with that. So I gave myself a daily injection. I got that bad side effect that day. When I gave myself that injection, it was time to get off that. I was like, well, that was really odd. Probably not going to happen again. So the next day I gave myself the injection again, the same side effect came again. So it was like, interesting. What's going on here? So the third day, um, no reaction. The third, the third, the third day I gave myself, the fourth day I gave myself the injection, side effects again. I'm like, all right, I'm getting way too many side effects too frequently. So it's time for me to stop this. So I stopped it and I haven't looked back. So that was probably one of the last medications. So all those medications were just done. And um, my doctors that weren't really happy with it, didn't approve of it. Because in their world, these were incurable. You needed to be on this medicine the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I know my psychiatrist a little freaked out as a bipolar, uh, unmedicated bipolar that was suicidal in the past. Yeah. You know? But um, I just kept following my own advice. Because what came to me was that you live in your body. You know what's best for you. But not like a mental knowing, but this deeper knowing. So you were very, um, it sounds like you really trusted your inner guidance. Yeah, that's why I tell, tell people is like, really trust that inner guidance and learn to discern what is that mental voice and this deeper voice. There's a distinction that you can learn. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's awesome. That's like, uh, that's a hard one for a lot of people. Yeah, the way I explain it is spirit just tells you to do this or do that with no story, nothing attached to it. And the mind will say, like, you need to drink water to keep yourself hydrated and all these stories why you should drink water. Spirit will just say, drink water, do yoga. But no reason, no excuses, just do this. Sure. Yeah, very, very direct, the message. Yeah, it's very direct. <laughs> two, three words, maybe four, but usually two, three words, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. I'll keep that in mind because <laughs> uh, I'd like to, I'd like to um, continue and... Um, uh, communicate with spirit more as much as I can really um, who did you I know that you were you had doctors and folks that you were talking to because um, of your situation but um, who did you trust with your this discovery like did you because I've, I've talked to a friend who's had a um, spontaneous awakening and it was sort of hard for him to come out of the proverbial spiritual closet, <laughs> I guess, to, to say like, hey, everyone, I think I've had this really crazy transformative experience because a lot of people are like, you know, whatever. Um, did you have someone you could trust and that you, you weren't able to share like what was going on? Because it was pretty profound what was happening. Right. Because, well, there's only one doctor I kept, like I had a team of six doctors. I fired five of them and I just kept one that was supportive with me getting off the medicine okay <laughs> nice so i had this i was on this benzo and it was extremely addictive benzos are extremely addictive mm -hmm. he, he's the only doc yeah he's the <laughs> only doctor that worked with me on how to properly get off the benzo so he was really helpful with getting off that medicine what about people in your um 
maybe you don't you didn't have people because you're so socially awkward still uh like do you have, did you have folks in your in your day-to-day -day life like friends or anything that you communicated this with no I, I really kept it to myself and that's why that's when i wrote my first book when he was like asking me what did you do how did you accomplish this that's when i wrote the i don't dwell because for the for the 18 months i was going through this journey i nobody knew what was doing besides my wife and she didn't understand it she wasn't supportive. She didn't understand it. So I was just doing my own thing. Gotcha. And um, so it kind of leads into my next question. So you, you had the 18 over this 18, 18 months, this um, transformations happening. Um, how did you decide what your next steps moving forward were going to be like? Uh, were you going like, I'm going to teach, I need to share this stuff? Like, what was what was going on at the end of that 18 months? Um, nothing really. It was just like, well, I wrote the first, but I wrote the book. That was the first thing. So in 2015, yeah. I wrote the book. Um, then in 2014, I decided maybe I should do something with this knowledge. So I left the corporate world, but only thing, the only problem is when I left the corporate world, I was really still in this all is well state, like really chill, like all is well, like no doing energy, just sitting around and just knowing that all is well. Well, there's one issue though, when you're leaving like a steady paycheck and you have no doing energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that didn't work out so well. So I actually had to go create some income and go back into some kind of work till I figured things out a little bit. So I came a little bit more back into the body, you could say, into uh, finding that balance. I was, you know, finding that middle way that I was too much in the in the spiritual realms. I've I've heard that before. Um, talking with a, a particular friend, but just in uh, general, like um, through the YouTube and other places, just that um, people that have uh, oftentimes people that get enlightened or have a powerful spiritual experience that it takes them sometimes years to re uh, acclimatize to the uh, sort of everyday life being in a body. Like it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, you have to find the middle way. Yeah, like that's um, even I think um, Eckhart Tolle talks about that. Just like he was just floating around for years. Just he wasn't. Yeah. He couldn't bring it back down. Yeah, he was just sitting on a park bench for years. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Um, okay, let's see. Um, now I know we're about to get to the now part of the story here, but just just a few more questions. Two more questions. Um, I know that you, um, as time has gone by, you have developed because of the experience that you had, and then you've been just con continually sort of working on this stuff. When did you, uh, not when did you discover not only did you have the power to heal, but you had, you had unlocked some of your own spiritual powers? And like, what are those abilities? Like, it, has it was it gradual that they were shown to you, or did like tell me about that? And they pretty much just came online. That's what so I can describe it. Like they're always there for everyone, but the mind gets in the way, creating this huge block. When that got out of the way, it's like spirit came online and all the gifts that come with spirit came online. So we just have really weird experiences, you know, like so many mystical experiences. My corporate mind just could not understand, um, like seeing ghosts, seeing spirits, for example, that kind of world. Yeah. It was just like, like one story I can think of, you know, like, um, cause I was married, going through my healing journey, but after I healed myself, that marriage sort of, you know, ended. 
because I, we were in completely different realms, if you will. Yeah. So that that ended, and um, but so after that, I had a I had a girlfriend, and it was really puzzling. When I was over at her house, the dogs would never go into the basement. I'd be like, "Why aren't your dogs going to the basement?" So I walked into the basement, I was like, "Oh, I see why. There's a doctor living here." There's a doctor living here. Yeah, a spiritual doctor. Yeah, <laughs> a, a doctor. Somebody that that hasn't crossed over. He's just sort of stuck here, living in the basement. And the dogs, are, I guess, freaked out by this that there's someone in in the basement. Does this does this entity look like um, you would imagine, like the li- the um, the ghost and uh, Ghostbusters? You know, in the library there. Like, is it a see through person or is it more um, solid looking? No, it's just like a, a scent. I'm just sort of like seeing him in my third eye if you will like not just seeing how that how he looked you know back in the 50s or whatever he's how he's presenting himself but it took me a little bit of time to figure out how to cross him over but i did eventually figure it out it's like why is he stuck here because we have to realize he's probably a doctor at penhurst mental mental institution it was a really really bad place in pennsylvania and they took the i forget the name of it but they really took these um this is before the child psychology, you know, kids that were, you know, mentally disabled. They didn't know how to handle them. So they put them in these group homes. So they had like 16 huge buildings at Pennhurst where they just basically warehoused these disabled kids. And they were mistreated and all sorts of horrible things before they shut them down. He worked at this facility, but he always felt, and the reason why he was stuck, they had to have a conversation with him to see what was going on. He felt like really, he was just trapped in guilt for not doing more to help the kids. But I had to remind him that he was just a staff worker. He wasn't an administrator. He did the best that he could. So I basically had to you know, do, do a shrink session with him. Like yeah. that it wasn't his fault. He didn't need to be feel guilty and shameful, keeping himself earthbound. So I had to like give him that relief. And then he eventually did cross over. Then after I crossed him over, it was pretty dramatic because these were like kind of bigger, playful dogs. And for them not to come into the basement was like really odd. These high energy dogs. Yeah. As soon as they cleared and put the basement door, the dogs just went flying down the basement. It was like a new discovery for them. What's this? Now, now, when you're when you um, when you're seeing the ghost, um, you're not seeing the ghost with your eyes. You're seeing the guy, the ghost with your mind's eye in your mind, correct? Yeah. And when you're speaking to the ghost, are you using words or are you just thinking the words that you're like? Are you doing it in your mind? Yeah, like have a mental conversation with okay. him, like back and forth mentally with with him and just having this conversation. And it was really like a five to 10 minute long conversation that, that I was having with him about what was going on, why he's here and just having a, a, a conversation with him. And when I see too, that he's too a perfect spirit simply without a body. So there's really no ghosts. There's simply perfect spirits without bodies. Gotcha. That spiritual energy is always here, whether there's body or not. Interesting, very interesting, to say the least. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like I want to probe um, probe you for another sort of mystical experience you have, but like maybe let's do that closer to the end, because I think I could I think I could stay here forever. I think I want to keep going forward, because <laughs> um, I'm really I I like getting um, I like asking the specifics of these mystical experiences, and like a lot of the time in spirituality, I find that there's a bit of a pushback to like ask about the nitty-gritty sometimes in my experience yeah there's all sorts of experiences i have it's like but now they're my everyday experiences and now they're normal 
Cool. And are and so are you are you um, interacting with ghosts and or entities or uh, spirit sort of every day? And as part of those energies are always around you. Yeah, they're just always here. It's just, they're just here. It's like it feels like I have a portal in my living room now where I meditate all the time because it's it's just they're just constantly coming in and out. It's just sort of. Is there any is there any energies or spirits where you're like, yeah, you're not. This doesn't seem like a nice energy. Like they're. Now, that's the one thing though. I've never experienced an evil entity. I just never had that experience, and I thought that was unusual. But I, I, then I heard. I don't know if you know Dolores Cannon. She was in the spiritual space for like 20, 30 years. I heard her once say too, in her, I guess like 50 years of spiritual work. She's like, I never run into an evil entity in my whole lifetime. Hmm. I've just never encountered that. Well, that's my, not... belief, my belief system isn't there. So like your belief system doesn't support that that is a thing. So it doesn't appear because you don't believe it. Right. Because it's all perfect spirit. Yeah. Interesting. Well, knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. That <laughs> You don't get a... Uh, well, get... I, what I see, there's nothing evil, but there's like playful tricksters, if you will. But I wouldn't necessarily call them evil. They're just, they're just like to play games and hide stuff. And these other little things they like to do. Sure, there, there's rascals. <laughs> yeah, they're rascals. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember when I first, um, I remember when I first sort of got, was getting introduced to Krishna and, or I, Krishna and I was open to it and just hearing the description of him being a rascal and trickster. And I'm like, oh, like it does, like even in the world of spirit is not serious all the time. Right. And, yeah. and, and I won't call them evil. They're just playful. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. Uh, now I've, I, um, you can uh, skip this question if you want. Um, and maybe this is opening a door into a can of worms that we don't want to open. But I was, I was just curious, like uh, this is sort of a personal question. Where does um, your partner in crime, I believe her name's Lori. Yeah, Lori. Yeah. Where, where does she sort of fall into all of this? Like, um, did, did she use your method as well? Yeah, well, well, Lori was on our, our own journey and how we came together was really odd as well. Like when my mom passed away, was actually the same day her partner passed away two years earlier so it was like this really wow. we, it's another the mystical experience how this came came together so um she was really into the spiritual realms as well and she's more into like the astrology side of things and that wasn't my realm at all so she has a different angle on this and a different meditative type process so we're we're, we're both spiritual people but in different realms if you will but and what i'm seeing that she's more like more gifted if you will in certain areas and i'm more gifted in others and i simply see that we all have the gifts all all the same gifts one we're just more practiced in other areas more skillful more practiced and that so that's where she comes in like she i think she's better in like the intuitive gifts like mediumship and reading cards like that and things like that i can do it as well but i think she's a little more gifted in that and then astrology she has me beat by leaps and bounds in that area and i'm just like yeah well, you know a little <laughs> bit yeah i mean it sounds like you guys complement each other quite nicely yeah it's a compliment right because she has these other skiffs and i have these so it's some a nice mesh that it comes together. I love that. That's great because I I see her name pop up on your websites, uh, your website and your books and stuff, and I just 
I just thought I'd ask because I mean that's really cool. Yeah, so we have we have different built different practice where we're different skills, different practices. So. Sure, but her, but her, like I, I think that's an interesting idea that there's like no one set method for anyone. It's you need to find the path that most most resonates with you. Right. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's really that's what I tell people that you live in your body. You know what's best for you. This is your journey, your yep. experience, and march to your own drummer. Cool. I love it. Okay, now let's uh, now. That's what I mean. Let's get into the now. <laughs> let's get. That's we, all there is is now. I know. <laughs> now, <laughs> let's talk about uh, sort of your life now in general and what you're sort of up to. So, um, uh, first, I wanted to talk about Head Trash Anonymous. So, um, my notes here, my uh, beautiful notes. I um, I've written down that Head Trash Anonymous is um, something that you created, that you founded. Correct. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, and what year was that that you start that? That was 2017. 20, okay, cool. And it is designed to help people clear out their quote head trash or mental clutter. Um, and the mental clutter or the head trash includes false beliefs, limited thinking, the negative stories we tell ourselves, um, et cetera. And essentially Head Trash Anonymous is designed to help people find relief from physical and mental suffering. Yeah. All right. And um, because um, what I saw there, because from like when my book came out in 2014, a lot of people didn't understand, you know, what is don't dwell, don't dwell. Like, I was like, don't dwell on thoughts, but it still didn't really like lock in for them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, how can I tell? Because I don't really don't like the term monkey mind. Everybody uses that. But I want to call it, wait a second, this is head trash. People can understand it's trash, it's garbage. You need to throw it out. So that's that's the way I, I presented it. It's just garbage that just needs to be thrown out. And I think on your head trash website, um, there's a, uh, I, I forgot to write it down, but there's almost like five or six. So I sort of looked at it as like you've almost, I'll put it this way. There's five or six uh, levels of head trash. Right. Right. That's, a, that's, the, that's the way I defined it. Yeah. And the first was, you know, the depths of head trash. So we can have like a little waste paper basket. We can have like a, a five gallon bucket, you know, they keep getting larger and larger to you like a dumpster, then a landfill of these different levels of head trash. So you can have like a little thimble of head trash, yep. a waste paper basket, a five a trash can, then a dumpster, then a landfill. I think that's the way structure. But you're, I'm sort of taking it though, that you're relating sort of um, where you might be on the spiritual path based on how much head trash you have. No, but I, I really wasn't seeing that as a spiritual path. But then I let go of the levels because I realized you can have a thimble of head trash, but your suicidal thoughts okay. are just as deadly as a landfill. So it doesn't matter which level of head trash. Interesting. Have my own, own personal experience, if you have damaging, destructive head trash, it, it doesn't matter how much of it you have, it's lethal. So it needs to be thrown out regardless of the depth. So I realized yeah, it's kind of fun to call it death, but it doesn't matter. If you have one stream of thought that says kill yourself, it needs to go. So it's all po all head trash is kind of poison. Yeah, it, it's, it's poisoning the inner environment. Gotcha. And I, I um, well, I was sort of thinking about stuff today in our podcast and your head trash um, website that you got going there um i couldn't help but think that like our ego or our false self is the driver and the main contributor towards our head trash mm -hmm. Would yeah. You, yeah and um and it just 
Um, I think we both are a fan of Wayne Dyer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Wayne. So um, in, uh, in the, what is it here? The Power of Intention, which yeah. everyone's probably heard of now. Um, he, Wayne outlines the, that the ego has six primary beliefs that account for how we experience ourselves as dis disconnected. So disconnected from our source, the Tao, God, et cetera. And these are the stories um, that keep us from identifying with our true nature, which is perfect spirit. Mm -hmm. Would you, you're, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and so like, I, I just wanted to really quickly read his, the, the six beliefs. Cause I think of, not often, but I do think of this um, from time to time. So his six, um, tenants or the beliefs of the ego are, I am what I have, my uh, possessions define me, I am what I do, my achievements define me, I am, what other th I am what others think of me, my reputation defines me, I am separate from everyone, my body defines me as alone, I am separate from all that is missing in my life, my life space is disconnected from my desires, and the last one, I am separate from God. My life depends on God's assessment of my worthiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I um, I always, I just wanted to share that for the podcast, and I I, it seems just like the main those those beliefs are what's causing all the head trash most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all related to some aspect of that. Yes, totally cool, cool. Connecting the dots over here, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Then I. Um, unless you, if there's anything you want to add uh, about uh, Head Trash Anonymous, I want to talk about the circle. Yeah, so basically, you know, the Head Trash comes in a thousand and one different flavors, and it's so subtle at times, you don't even realize it. You know, it could be like just criticizing yourself, judging yourself. These little simple things we do throughout the, throughout the day just adds to, to the noise, and it's just realize and just let it all go and just just be the real you. That's really what the, the ego prevents us from knowing who we really are. And it's working really hard to keep us away from ourselves. It, it does not want to give up control. The mind likes dragging you all over the place and it has all sorts of defense mechanisms to stay in place. And one of them for meditators, how it stays in control with meditators, it makes them fall asleep as a defense mechanism. Okay. Now, so like people that are falling asleep in meditation sit on the edge of a chair so that sensation of follow you falling over if you want to fall asleep will snap you back into this moment i'm i'm um especially when i'm meditating consistently um i am astounded by the tricks this motherfucker tries to get me excuse my language to get me on you know like just just when you think you're good you're just like ah. Oh. God, like it's you it's hard to explain but it's just it's waiting for any little uh, uh crack in the foundation yeah it doesn't want to give up control it wants to be your master yeah and what is that line like the ego makes um a great um servant but a lousy master mm -hmm. something like that yeah yeah okay that's awesome that's awesome um the circle the circle of life um so you started a group called the circle and you have a circle behind you mm -hmm. on, the, on the video that we're doing i attended last night um it was awesome yeah every time i do it it's different it's not me planning it out i don't plan things out it just happens yeah so you're you're sort of getting out of the way and just letting whatever happens happens yeah i let spirit 
lead the show. That's the best way I can describe it. Okay, that's cool. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a word here. I know you don't like, but we'll talk about why you don't like it. So, um, the circle um, is basically a virtual healing group or healing circle. Now, um, I know you don't um, like the term healing because it implies something is wrong with the body, and that insight I think is a big part of your teachings. Yeah, because when you say that you need to heal yourself, the mind goes through all sorts of hoops and hurdles on how to heal yourself. It really becomes too big of a leap for a person to overcome. So all these teachers that talk about doing this and that for healing themselves, they'll have some testimony of people that actually heal themselves. But I'm sure like 99.9% .9 of their audience hasn't healed themselves. I think it's a small, very small percentage that has because of the mental hurdles are so great. I know when I was extremely sick, if you told me to go heal myself, it would have been too big of a leap for my mind to accept. So like I said, when I discovered that meditation brings inner peace, that was something I could achieve, peace. I couldn't achieve healing. That would have been too too large. So I like to say healing, but I tell people the first rule of healing is that you don't talk about healing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really that that that's really about that, you know, that. And also, there's also things with that too, what you focus on expands. So if you're thinking healing, saying something's wrong with the body, the mind will amplify that because it's one of the mind tricks like, oh, there's something wrong with your body and keep harping on what's wrong with the body and sort of locking it into place. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I've, I've heard a lot of that and I, um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it, that makes sense to me, like what you, what you focus on expands. Yeah. Um, you wrote this down. I, I actually said this last night and I wrote it down. Um, you said, and more or less, this is the quote. <laughs> you said, don't focus on the healing, focus on the peace. The peace is what causes the transformation. Mm -hmm. Did I get it right? Yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. I always say something to that effect. Um, I think that's profound. I, I think that's, I think that's so cool. <laughs> that sounds so cheesy, but I think that's awesome. <laughs> because we're going to think of self spirit is essentially always at peace with this moment. It's never protesting against this moment. So peace is our true nature. So if we tap into a true nature, that's where all things become possible. Okay. So um, this brings me back to another Wayne Dyer book. <laughs> this Wayne Dyer book is called Wishes Fulfilled. Okay. And he's extra bald. He's even more bald, I think, than this one. Um, so I, I've had this book for years and it, I read a bit of it here and there, but um, more recently, I just sat down and actually read the whole thing. And um, the main teachings in the book is, uh, the main resources that he's pulling from um, are is a gentleman named Neville. I, can't, I don't know what his first name is. Um, and he's more of a law of attraction guy, I think, but, um, a lot of the teachings are from the I am discourses, which um, is from an interesting fellow named St. Germain. Mm. Have you heard of the I am discourses? I heard them, but never read them. Have you, um, do you have any thoughts on St. Germain? <laughs> no, don't have any thoughts on him either. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm trying to still catch up on my spiritual reading. Um, like I said, I never read these spiritual books when I was going through my journey. I sort of had to, you know, 2014, I started to do some catch up and started reading some of these teachers. And, you know, the first book I read after my healing was from Adya Shante, The End of Your World. 
and it described exactly what I went through in that book. Wow. So like, it was like the perfect moment, uh, the perfect book for you in that moment. Right. It's the first spiritual book I read after my healing was the end of your world by Ayashante. And it was, it described to a T what I went through. Uh, cool. Cool. I like him. I, I, I know of him. I listened to him a bit. I haven't um, gotten down the rabbit hole, but he, I, he has those, um, he has those really kind eyes, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, he's probably my favorite spiritual teacher. I've had opportunity, I think, to actually hear him in person once or twice. Um, his wife was the first spiritual teacher I met. His wife, Mukti, actually came to Philadelphia. So it was actually the first spiritual talk I attended in person was hers. Cool. Did you ever meet him? Yeah, I actually met him in California when I was uh, a presenter at my first big conference. He was speaking at the Science and Non-Duality Conference in San Jose, California. That was my first big conference that I was invited to speak at. Uh, cool, cool. That's when you uh, your star started to ascend. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's where I met Ayashante, Deepak Chopra, and some other, like Rupert Spear. Like, that's like the big spiritual event. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, uh, so I, I sort of brought up uh saint germain because i just think he's a interesting he's an interesting character i mean he's the, the im discourses are apparently channeled material he's um an ascended master apparently he um he was pretty um uh boisterous and um like a lot of ma i've heard of a lot of ascended masters and such are like in the foothills of tibet and they're just not no one knows about them but this guy was out in europe and he was playing the piano and painting and he was sort of a renaissance man so i just thought he's sort of an interesting character but um in in the book um wayne the wayne dyer references i think and i'm not a big bible guy per se but he i think it's matthew there's a line in the bible that he says uh with god all things are possible and uh he, in the book he also talks about uh something called the it's a famous prayer it's called the prayer of saint francis of assisi and it starts out, um, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. And that line really got my attention because it, it, um, it sort of felt like that line is um, essentially um, describing what you're doing and how you're helping people. Yeah, it, it could be. I, I really don't know. Maybe, maybe St. Germain is perfect spirit. Who knows? Because once we get into that, the energy of all that is that everyone that's ever been here in consciousness is still in consciousness. You yeah, know, like consciousness is just the ever present energy. So everybody that's ever been in body has always been a part of consciousness, not separate. Yes, but I, 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 I do. I just, I just heard Sam like all over this, like Lord, make me an instrument of Thy peace. So like you become an instrument of peace. Yeah. And you were able to bring the light to the darkness and you're trying to um, sort of help people also um, uh, bring peace where there's hatred. Yeah. Just, just mostly I want them to be peace with themselves, that they're peace with themselves, that it really unlocks a whole bunch of doors because a lot of people aren't at peace with themselves because they forget who they are. And that's the whole point. Get rid of the head trash and remember who you are. Have you, have you had, um, have you been successful in clearing out someone's head trash? Yeah. The, I have. The, and um, 
and that must be a great feeling. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. Um, I don't know if you, you know, we didn't really see it too profound last night, but if you, but if you notice though, when sometimes in the circles, because um, now with Zoom, it's different, but if you look at everyone's faces at, on Zoom before the circle starts, then you look at afterwards, it's dramatic. You'll see people like, usually they're not usually smiling at the, at the beginning event, usually could be a little depressed, a little sad, a little down, depending on who's there. But by the end of it, they're all smiling. They're all at peace. They're all at a different, they're just in a different place. And I've taken, you know, when I've worked with people individually, you know, I know I've like if there were a few people that were, I was like, give me your phone, I gotta take your picture. You, you, I don't think you've seen yourself like this in a long time where they're so happy, so blissed out, so peaceful. Like, and people say, well, I don't even recognize myself in this photo. Wow. Yeah, I could definitely, um, I could definitely feel the like the vibe in our room here and uh, just over Zoom, it felt, um, yeah, it felt calm and it felt like peace. And that was really fun to be in. That's where I really want people to be at peace. If you're at peace, then you know yourself. That's the perfect spirit. That's the anchor. So when you're feeling stressed, what's that anchor that was planted that night? Go back to that peace. And and I think you were saying last night that in that state of peace is when you're able to manifest and be the co-creator that you're designed to be. Yeah, in that place. Yeah, so you, you're... You're you're one with spirit at that point. You're one with all that is at that point. Then you then you're in the zero point of energy. Then you just manifest from there. But unfortunately, with like the books, the secret, they don't talk about getting into this peace. Just thinking it becomes so. But you can't think it and become so if your mind's filled with all this garbage. You're gonna get all sorts of things you don't want to manifest if your mind's filled with garbage. So it's really clearing that out first, getting yourself to the zero point, then setting intentions in there and not worrying about how, letting go of all rules of physics or whatever and just create your world. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds powerful. And it's sort of, it's more or less the message that, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these spiritual books that I've read, I mean, people say the same thing just sort of in a different way. Yeah. You know, but when you say that, it's, it's hit, it hits the bell of truth for me. So uh, I love it. Yeah, and yeah, you just remind me of another story I love to share, the bell story that I share with everyone. When Please you, do. When you, yeah, when you're born, you're a perfect bell that comes in. You're like this perfect soul that comes in, perfect tone, perfect everything. Then as we go through life, we start adding tape to the bell and the flavor of different head trash. Oh, here's your name, piece of tape. Here's your sex, piece of tape. And you get all these little stories as you're growing up. So time you're, you know, 15, 20 years old, you have so much tape on your bell to start making thud noises that it starts losing its resonance. So what I tell people, so you're going through life and just adding more and more tape. So you're not raising your vibration. You're really restoring your vibration. When you pull off all that tape off your bell, you're restoring your vibration. You're not raising your vibration. You're just restoring back to your perfection when you're coming back here because it's never a dark night of the soul, if you will. It's the dark night of the mind. It's the mind creating the darkness. So, so it sounds like there's nowhere to, there's, there's like, there's nowhere to go, or it's you have to un, get rid of the stuff that's um, stopping you from recognizing what you already are. Right, and yeah. that's what I tell people. Talk people talk about ascension, and I want to talk about 
descension. I want you to go inward deeper and deeper. You're not going up. You're actually going within. Yeah. Interesting. It's all an inside job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, now the future, what is, what is, unless you have any, uh, any other, um, no, circle no. of thoughts. Okay, sweet. So, um, what's going on in the future with you, Sam? What's like, uh, what are your, what are your goals? What are your dreams? What's your five-year plan? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have five years. Good, good. Either do I. Because all I know for certain is right here, right now. What can I do right here, right now? That's pretty much the focus. So I've just always been, you know, pondering the best way to serve. And you know, I can I can do some profound effects on one-on-one. But for me, it's really how can I get this into the masses in a large scale? And that was to me was the circle. And it was like, I just do the circles now by donation. And what I'm really would love the circles to grow to is one to 200 people, you know, on Wednesday nights has come together, just increasing consciousness mm -hmm. because I think I forget who it was that was really trying to do these big, large meditations and groups. Was it Krishnamurti or I forget who it was that was really into uh, creating these really large meditation type groups and really try to increase consciousness. That's what I'm really trying to do is just increase consciousness. Because I know if everybody increases consciousness, that peace, it's really going to have this ripple effect in the world. So that's what I'm really trying to do with this is just um, support and sustain myself with just by doing circles and just helping raising consciousness. And it's really not about, you know, making money, just sustaining myself and just getting the love out there and peace. What did, what, could it be both? Like, could it you, could. could you, I'm not saying become like a huge, rich, um, a big shot, but just like you could be helping tons of people and also making some good coin. Well, just be comfortable. That'd be enough because that's what I really like the, um, how Krishna, I think it was Krishna Marty that did that where he had, had sponsors, if you will. So he could just do his teachings and not worry about his basic needs. He just had this group of sponsors and he would just go all over, just, just spreading his, his knowledge and I would love to do that, you know, getting sponsors or just people give me enough donations so I can just share more like, cause eventually we'll be able to travel again to have these in-person groups and, and really share that knowledge for people that, you know, that don't want to miss or do online or don't believe on online is as effective, which it is. But um, that's my goal, if you will, just to spread consciousness to spread peace because that's really the energy of transformation i don't i don't there's not a doubt in my mind um that you that you can't do it um just because i mean look what's already happened i mean uh, like there's there's no limit to what you can do pal yeah we're, there are that's the whole thing though that we're all limitless it's the head trash that creates limitations and it, it gets into all these complicated stories we have to go do this you need to go do this you need this you need this it's just like you just follow what's what's resonating with you. Would you say that you're God? Well, there's a well. I wouldn't say. I would say everyone is God. There's there is no place where God is not. That mm -hmm. we're all consciousness, and that we just simply forget that we're consciousness. That we are spirit. So simply remembering, it's like um, you can see like God, if you will, is the sun, and we're like a beam, a sunbeam, a ray of the, of the sun. And there's no separation between the sun and the ray from the sun. It's just 
it's all connected back to the one source. So you, so there's no difference between us in theory, um, between us and Jesus. No, because we're yeah. all consciousness. We I would, all... I would agree. I would totally agree. I just, I always find that, um, that question really, people take it as, um, all different sorts of ways. When I ask them, like, what do you, what are your, what is your feeling when I ask you if you're God? Cause some of my friends go, no, we talking about, I'm not God. like, it's like, whoa. Yeah. And, and it's such a loaded word, God, I can understand why people are having um, weird reactions to it. And I, but I just, I find it curious. Cause I do find, I do. I personally believe that, um, yeah, Jesus had a message. You're God. And it's, he's not separate from, we're not different than him. He's not on a pedestal. He's just, he was back trying to remind us of our true nature. Right. And didn't he say like, what I can do, you can do in greater. I think he would say that. That sounds like something that rascal would say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, he, I think he, he always said, you know, what, what I can do, you can do as well in greater. Yeah. But I just, for some reason, it always bugs me when sort of he's, Jesus is put it on this pedestal and I'm like, no guys, I think he like, we're yeah. same, 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 same. Yeah. We're, we're all the same and we're all consciousness, different forms of consciousness. You, and that's what, if you really get into the quantum world, that's really, and some of the teachers that are out there in the quantum will talk about that. We're consciousness and within consciousness are the forms because it's a projection of consciousness. Yeah. So yeah. consciousness is all around us and it's projecting this into the body to form. Roger that. Roger that, Sam. It's very deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very deep. I, can, I can feel the, hamst the hamster wheel going around <laughs> in my brain and the, ha the hamster seems a little tired. So um, a a anything else you want to add before? <laughs> anything else you want to add before uh, we get going? No, we we can get really, really deep into the, uh, if you want to like more mystical experiences that get really interesting. So when I was in the corporate world, there was, um, there was an, there was like really bad traffic delay, like for this route that would go to work. And I was like, Oh, there's an accident up there. It's already listening to the radio. I was trying to get the traffic. There's a fatal accident in front of me, you know, on this highway. So coming back from, from work, it was my yoga studio. So I, I went to do my yoga, but the fatal accident was literally a quarter mile away from my yoga studio. So during you know the end of end of yoga, we did meditation. So I was in meditation. I just felt feel myself being pulled to the scene of the accident. So I just felt myself astrally traveling to where the accident was. And when I saw the accident there, I, I saw the woman that passed on the side of the road, like she was stuck, she was confused. She didn't know what happened. So I had to remind her what happened and to assure her that it was okay to cross over into the light. But she was very, very puzzled. So that's where my mystical experience, crossing someone else over from an accident. And that was just like me just being astrally traveling or just being pulled to this. So you weren't physically there. You were no, like in your, in your mind, you were there from the yoga studio. Yeah, like just because we really, a tenth of a mile away or a quarter of a mile away is really close. You could walk there in five or ten minutes. It was very close. So I just saw myself traveling to this location. Wow. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, Sam. That's incredible. So wow. I, but these kind of experiences are just just wild. Like, um, but it, it's a good thing that Lori's in a spiritual space too. And she knows the tricksters that are around the house mm -hmm. and the things that happen around here. She's like, yeah, it, 
it's normal because like for like 2021 we had a calendar right so we put it in a specific spot for 2021 we bring up a calendar and put it out well 21 21 2021 came was like all right let's bring up the new calendar we looked in that spot it was not there it's like okay there's no calendar here so i, I think it was march we looked back in the spot it was there just out of just there like there's not your your pets don't have special powers or your there wasn't someone in no, your building <laughs> it's only me and Lori in the house and this calendar like it's red i mean yeah. you can't miss it it's red they, like the outside shell, but it's like a, like a red photograph or something. It's like red. You can't miss it. And it's I am looking at the spot right now. It's like this little shelf. Like it's not like a quite a bookshelf, like little nook. And at one specific corner of the nook, and that's where it was. And it was missing for like three months, and or it could have been missing before 2021. When we start looking for it, it was like, where is it? Where is it? And one day she went over to the nook. She's like, Are you playing games? Were you tricking me? When she pulled the calendar, and I was like, "Shocked! Like, where'd that come from?" You, you know what? I think Lori is fucking tricking you. <laughs> she, she is playing a. She's play. She's uh, one upping you. She's she's blaming it on you, but I think she's actually the one that did it. <laughs> one time she was like looking for her favorite sweater in her closet. Yeah. And one day she, she pulled. She came to into the living room. She's like, "What's my sweater doing in the closet?" She's like, you did this. <laughs> like, no, I didn't do this. Well, that's, our, like... that's, that's our normal everyday world around here. Um, yeah. One thing is, if she's cooking in the kitchen, she cannot leave the kitchen. Because the tricksters will have fun. Oh, okay, with the recipe. No, with like things blowing over. Even if it's a low phone, things will just, if she walks, literally, if she walks outside the kitchen, things boil over. Wow. Almost like instantly. Wow, that's yeah, that's um, I love. I'd love to. I hopefully maybe one. Uh, not maybe, but hopefully one day when we can get back to New York, I want to see this myself. <laughs> it's. I don't know if they'll do it, but it, it's really a strange experience. And she's like, I can't leave this room. But once I start something, I can't leave. leave I'm like, yeah, I'm like trapped here. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to cook. They wanted to cook. It's just little things like that, and. It's just tricksters, and I don't know. They're just, they're just here. But that sounds fun. That sounds like it's. Um, but they're not evil. Yeah, they're no. Just... But it, so it sounds like an enjoyable experience. Not a, not a bad one. <laughs> yeah, when something goes missing, we just know it will show up. Yeah. Sometime it will show up, and or we haven't found that in a different. Like it hasn't like disappeared from here and just happened to appear over here. No, it's always the same spot. It just vanishes and it comes back. Comes back. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Incredible, Sam. You're, yeah, I, thank you so much for chatting with uh, on the podcast today, Sam. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been good, JP. Yeah, it's been great. And um, people can find you, your Sam Shelley, aka the Sam the Miracle Man. Um, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, they can find me at hedgehashanonymous.org. You can find me over there. On YouTube, I do daily videos on YouTube on the Sam the Miracle Man. And on TikTok, you find me either at hedgehashanonymous or Sam the Miracle Man, you'll find me over there doing it. And that's probably, that's probably the most interesting for me for TikTok, doing spiritual teachings in 15 seconds. That's been a new adventure for me. Well, sometimes, because yeah. you can only do up to 60 seconds in TikTok. So I might do a 60 second video, but I try to do a lot of 15 second videos. So for me to get this message out in 15 seconds has been uh, interesting. 
but to be really that clear and that concise. Yeah, I'm sure it's, I'm sure in some way it's helping your teachings, right? Because you're, you've got to really get to the heart of the matter quick. Well, I do in general when I, typically in the circles, I used to do a like five or 10 minute talk, but I say, now nah, let's just do the circle now. And, but that's how my talks will be. They're that concise, five, 10 minutes. I'm not, I, I don't know, I understand. Like when I was telling, like, when I was talking to Benito, like about my, my teachings, like for some reason, I feel uncompelled for five or 10 minutes. How do you talk for like, 45 minutes to an hour to two hours. And he's like, well, if you're only talking for 15, 20 minutes, that's perfect. That's why you meant to talk. And that was from Benito Macero. I forget how to say his last name. I was he, talking to him. He's, a, he's a contemporary spiritual teacher? Yeah, Benito, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, yeah. I think I think you're doing great things, Sam. And I'm um, I'm happy that I got, I'm getting to know you. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an adventure. It's and, an and adventure. And maybe um, maybe offline, I'll ask you a few questions about uh, my dead mother and <laughs> some uh, some but stuff like that. You can speak to her too. She's she's there. She's like you're in the living room. She's in the kitchen, just hanging out. Like we think, like like you see her there. No, what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing in general, people think like you go to this weird mystical spiritual realm outside, outside someplace. Mm -hmm. But to me, they're around. It's like the best person who described this to me was, um, and the best medium I ever saw was Thomas John. I actually went to one of his, I went to a play that he did. And during the middle of the play, he does readings. And he was doing, he was picking up my father, like unbelievable, the memories of my father, then an uncle, my, he, like, he was doing my family for like five minutes. And he was like, so on point. But the way he described it, I'm like, uh, and he gets credit, like, we th he's the one that said, we think they go out to some like mystical place, but it's really like, you're in the living room. They're in the kitchen, hanging out. They're not really, you know, in so, in some heavenly realm with, uh, like, they're with us. Right. There's no time and space in the spiritual realm. So Get out of town. There is. It's all right here. Um, because that's interesting. I mean, Sam, I, I, uh, I definitely feel that um, when I am talking to my mom, like I'll have a conversation with her. I, I, I. I feel like she's hearing me. Mm -hmm, she it's, a, it's a one way conversation maybe, but I definitely feel like it's not, uh, I'm not just doing it for posterity or it's not falling on deaf ears. It's definitely connecting. Yeah, it's connecting. And once, you, it, once you're able to quiet that mind some more and you can practice a little bit, you'll be able to have conversations. Well, I know my parents don't come around a whole lot for conversations, but I know they're, they're around. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like, you know, like when his father's birthday is like, well, I wonder how he's doing. And I just hear, I'm okay. Yeah, that's lovely. What a lovely, what a lovely thing. Because they're, they're always here for open to hearing their information. It's just like they're here, but whether they want to present themselves or not. It's like sometimes, but they're around, they might be a little distant. So instead of maybe the kitchen, maybe they're in your, you know, your front yard or your or they're backyard. Ha they're having a bath or something. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, <laughs> but they're around someplace, they're not like trillions of years, light years away from us. And you have to like really reel them in for hours to talk to them. Boom, they can be right here. Right here, I love it. Okay, so let's end on that, I love that. All right. Um, we're, I, and I hope I'll ask you again to come on some other time. I enjoyed our chat. All right. Right. Take care, Jay. Thank you, Sam. Bye All for right. now. Bye bye.
Alrighty, folks. That's the end of the line for today. Please exit the train car and you will find the doors of perception on your left. Thanks for listening. And until next time, send it.